On the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Welcome back, and uh, this is the weekly Africa report, of course, this time in the conversation. And this week, we're looking at uh, former Burkina Faso president Blaise Kampaore, charged for the murder of ex-president Thomas Sankara. DRC president names new cabinet and completes a government overhaul. Somalia's parliament extends embattled president's term. Online for comment is Dr. Paul Kariuki, convener at the Africa Police Circle, that's APC, Dr. Kariuki is also the executive director at the, at the Democracy Program Project at the Invest of KwaZulu-Natal. Dr. Kariuki, like always, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, uh, Ibrahim, for having me on the show, and good afternoon to all your listeners. Let's begin with uh, Burkina Faso. The Braze Kampaore is the former president of uh, Burkina Faso, one of the longest leaders there, being charged with the murder of... Thomas Sankara, but just give us a background to what we are discussing now. Well, the story goes back to 1987 when Thomas Sankara was um, assassinated. And as the story goes, uh, there was a suspicion that it was organized by the the then president, Kompaore, uh, who was in charge of the nation at the time. And um, and he must have organized this and uh, for for some unknown reasons up to today, uh, this in, uh, in young leader uh, was assassinated, and since then Burkina Faso has never remained the same again. And so the outcome of the court yesterday was like a triumph uh, for almost 30 years of long-drawn um, quest for justice. Uh, and and and, um, and and Burkina Faso people are really looking forward to finalization of this matter, including the family of uh, Thomas Sankara. And that makes it even more significant because uh, not only has the family of Sankara been requesting for uh, the 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 former president Brace Kampaore to appear in court, but also the population itself, the Burkina people, have been calling for the for the eventual you know charging of the former president Brace Kampaore. But looking at how important is this development to both the family and the population? Well, it's important because of uh, at least four levels. One is a quest to see justice uh, meted against, uh, uh, at this point in time, it's still an allegation that the former president was involved in his assassination, and therefore to restore justice and confidence in, 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 in uh, Bukinabe's government. Bukinabe's are longing to see that it has gone beyond just rhetoric, and that the 34 years of waiting actually now have to mean something because finally the court has given the public uh, some level of relief to say we acknowledge that there is a prima facie case here and now it's upon the military court to take it further and really get uh, to try uh, the former president to be given his day in court and you know he has been denying and all this kind of things that is normal uh, on our continent but now here is a chance to give his side of the story and lay this matter to rest so on the first place is the rule of law uh, being reinforced for quest for justice. The other thing that this uh, court case shows for Bukinabis is um, the importance of, uh, of holding on to struggles that really raise civic voice 
in matters of justice and law in the country. Um, as it has taken 34 years, just imagine, it has taken 34 years to arrive to that uh, level of, of triumph. Had the Bukinaba is given up on this matter, this day will not have arrived. And therefore, I think the outcome of the court does go a long way to strengthen civic struggle, for deepening democracy and enhancing opportunities for not only just the rule of law to prevail, but for justice for everyone, and that to say no one is above the law. The third thing that this uh, uh, court case trial for, for Bukinabas shows that there is room for change. Yeah. Now, let's look at uh, the, the, since 2014, he hasn't been in the country, he's been residing in a neighboring Ivory Coast. But in terms of the, the, the extradition treaty, which the Ivorians have been uh, failing to honor, uh, this, I think we have lost uh, Dr. Pokariuki. He's trying to explain to us concerning the issue of uh, former President Blaise Kampaore being charged for the murder of ex-president Thomas Sankara who was uh, the president of Burkina Faso from 1983 until his killing in 1987. So Blaise Kampaore and uh, Thomas Sankara were both in the military. In fact, uh, Blaise was the deputy to Thomas Sankara before he got assassinated. And uh, information that, information that we have indicates that uh, uh, some foreign powers were also involved. But uh, I should believe, Dr. Pokariuk, we lost you for a second, but you are back online. Please yes. continue where you left. Yes, I was saying now um, the the challenge now is for the Ivory Coast to honor the treaty that they had made together with Burkina Faso. That at some stage they are going to re, uh, to repatriate him back so that he can face the law. Now, if they if Ivory Coast does not do that, it will create conditions for instability in the region, and it will or they will be contributing to the story of decay, democracy decay for this matter in Burkina Faso. So I think um, they, they're going to honor their commitment, and should they not do so, I foresee uh, regional power like ECOWAS coming into into play to and to ensure that there is uh, firstly stability of peace in, in, Burkina, in Burkina Faso, but secondly, that Ivory Coast does walk the talk. Now, Brez Campoli has been enjoying quite some uh, good stay in Ivory Coast. They have, they have given him good shelter since 2014 when he fled. After that, yeah. uh, those mass demonstrations against his attempt to, to extend his 27-year rule. You have spoken about uh, the ECOWAS coming in should yeah. Ivory Coast fail to, to extradite him. Yes. Do you think the, the the president of Ivory Coast is also trying to safeguard his 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 future, looking at uh, what has been happening in 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 Ivory Coast? Definitely, he will try to do that as best as he can. But uh, I'm sure he's gonna uh, really be under strong pressure from ECOWAS should he choose not to walk the right direction, which is actually extraditing uh, Kompaore back to go and answer for his charges. Um, and I think for him, the political cost of not uh, walking the talk will mean that he's also going to fall out in favor with the, uh, with the broader ECOWAS leadership, which has been very stable for the last couple of years in maintaining peace in the region and intervening very sensibly uh, in, in, in all kinds of security issues that are taking place in the region. Surely they will not want to see Bukinabe uh, going through another uh, 
state of instability given the, the, the already existing uh, insecurity situation in the region. Um, and it would be in the best interest to force him to dialogue should the, uh, should the Ivorian government want not want to do that uh, immediately. But there will, be, there will have to be some level of intervention. And I foresee a series of dialogues to make it work so that this process can be managed peacefully and to preempt any situation that will cause destabilization, not only in Burkina Faso, but also in the region. Uh, let's move to the DRC. President uh, Felix Shesekedi, he has named a new cabinet and completes uh, what uh, sources are saying is a complete government overhaul. Of course, he, it has been problematic for him to be uh, recognized as a as a pr- person in power because of uh, being in the shadows of, of uh, Kabila. Definitely. That has been uh, one of his biggest challenges since he assumed power. And uh, he has really been working so hard to get himself into the limelight uh, by showing that he has what it takes to be the, uh, the legitimate uh, president for, for, for the people of the Republic of Congo and to show that he's actually got a vision. Um, he has always been quoted by saying that he has and that he believes once implemented it will bring the, the, the Republic of Congo back to winning ways politically and socially and democratically. And now he sees with this reshuffling of his cabinet is a signal to say that time has come and is ready now to implement his agenda. Already we are, we are seeing some jostling for, for critical positions there. Uh, the, yeah. the, the anti-Kabira opposition have also named some of the, their key members, including the environmental minister and deputy prime minister, to be, yeah. to, to, to be in, that, in, that, in, that, in that government. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Partly. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Uh, how do you think these tensions will be resolved, uh, considering that uh, the, the, the cabinet has just been named? It's a very tricky situation right now uh, in the sense that uh, on one hand he wants to show forth that it's time for change and this change has come with, by his reform agenda. But on the other side, he also wants to manage this relationship very carefully with opposition members because he knows uh, technically he's not out of the woods yet. There is still um, a sizable number of uh, pro-Kabila uh, 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 proponents who are, who are still within his, uh, the larger political ecosystem of the DRC, and they have potential to cause challenges uh, in, in the area and, and in the government. So uh, my view is that he's trying to go into this one very carefully, even given the, the composition of his cabinet. He tried to mix as much as possible both, uh, you know, women and younger politicians, majority of them, it's their first time to hold such cabinet positions, and at the same time also trying uh, to bring in some of those uh, pro-Kabila, uh, opposition of pro-Kabila, those opponents of Kabila into the party, like you've just mentioned. The tricky part going forward for him is to make sure that he does not get sidetracked from his agenda uh, by spending much more time in managing relationships uh, rather than implementing his reform agenda. Now, he, he just assumed the position of the AU chairperson from uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, do, do you think there was some, some sort of uh, pressure also from the African Union to, to, to ensure that uh, he cements his power and names a new cabinet uh, so, so, so that he becomes a, you know, a, a good leader in terms of uh, being uh, the AU chairperson? Well, I'm not so sure about that. It could be, you know, these things always happen behind closed doors. But I think it was for his advantage uh, to get to this place now that he has assumed the AU chairpersonship. 
uh, that is actually sitting not only just uh, not as a so to speak a caretaker president in the you know in that arrangement that he had with the, uh, the former president Kabila, but as truly as the president of the nation with political power to influence change. That gives him a lot of credibility as a chairperson of the AU because it also sends a message that he can still do something great even as a chairperson of the African Union. So I think it was to his advantage to get to this place where he is at now. And, uh, of course, there must have been support, uh, even though they have not come you know, openly to declare so. But I think there has been support from the different governments uh, around the continent that not only just seconded his chairpersonship candidature, but actually providing the space for him politically to be able to be endorsed that way as a leader who can be followed and has an, a reform agenda. And lastly, let's go to Somalia. Parliament there have extended uh, the president's term. There haven't been elections there, and the president is under pressure from the international community to hold elections. But uh, so far, it looks like uh, he's going to be the president for the next two years. Well, that's also another emerging story that is also very dicey, in the sense that uh, if we have to think about the, the situation in Somalia has never been any stable, and they have probably in the last 10, 15 years, they've tried to have some, some level of, of peace, but still under serious uh, you know, threats, security threats to be specific, from Al-Shabaab and other you know, terrorist uh, formations within the country. So the context of this extension uh, kind of uh, exacerbates the current political situation in the country from two levels. One, from the security point of view, uh, that there is possibility to give this uh, insurgency's power and ammunition to fight back and you know be caught up in the factional battles. And secondly, it also weakens the sense of uh, of democracy because you know what he has done his term. I think it was a honourable thing for him to step aside and allow uh, genuine elections to be held. But if it has to involve outsiders to make him see the point then it means that it's actually um, creating a situation that will take Somalia far back from where it has come from. And that's uh, Dr. Paul Kariuki, convener at the Africa Police Circle, also Executive Director, Democracy Development Project, the University of Kwazunata, speaking to us, weekly Africa reports in the conversation. Uh, Dr. Kariuki, thank you very much for speaking to us. Thank you so much, Ibrahim. Pleasure. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.